And a warm welcome. I'm Etienne McClintock, and you are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. Today I have in the studio with me a special guest, Colin Hone. Colin Hone is the Director for Prayer Ministries for the North New South Wales Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, and also the International Director for Holy Spirit Ministries. And when he's not busy with that, as a sideline, Colin, you are a financial planner as well, and you run that business while you're doing these other bits of work. That's right. Yeah. Well, welcome, Colin. It's very nice to have you. Perhaps you can pr- just tell us a little bit about yourself with your busy schedule. You must have some other interests as well, possibly family. Yes. Well, I am, I'm married to one wife. One wife. Uh, great. Carrie, and we Always have, a good start. We have five children between us, uh, ranging from 23 to 16. Great. That's quite a good spread. So that's a seven-year spread between the, between the five children. Yeah, yes. Fantastic. So how long have you um, been living in this part of the world? Because we're talking about, you know, being in New South Wales. Well, I live on the central coast near a place called Terrigal, uh, just along the oh, beach. Oh, it's beautiful there. It's a beautiful place. I've mm. been there on the central coast 24 years now. 24 years. Okay, lovely. I've only been here four years. So uh, not quite as privileged as you've been for the last 24 years, but a beautiful spot and we're really enjoying it here as well. Well, Colin, I know you've had an interesting journey in your life. You are now very much involved with sharing the gospel, the good news of salvation, prayer ministry, the influence of the Holy Spirit on people's lives and how to receive the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Did you always have that religious affiliation when you started life? Well, I was brought up a Catholic. I went to uh, Catholic boarding schools as a a boy in in Adelaide. Mm. Uh, Always always had some religious influence. Mm. I was always searching all my life. I was searching for, you know, really two questions I had is, is there a God was the number mm-hmm. one question I had. Do you exist? Is there a God? And, and who is God? Very good questions to ask. Anybody that, uh, you know, is on this planet should be asking those same questions. Well, why am I here? I mean, yes. that's a big question. Why am I here? Is this as good as it gets? Mm. Is there more to life than just getting up in the morning, going to work and and doing a few things that we do, and then we, you know, we eventually die. Yeah. So it was like I wanted to know: was it, is there more to life than this? So there was a journey started very early in my life. Hmm. So at what age were you starting to become aware of there must be more to life, or is there more to life than just eating, drinking, being merry, and then tomorrow we die? It's always been there, but it probably didn't come to fruition until I was about sixteen, seventeen. I remember the uh, the Mormons knocked on my door when I was 16, 17. At that age, wow. And my parents were divorced when I was five. Mm. And so I actually went to probably 12 different schools throughout my whole life. Wow. Because I was living with my mother or my father or boarding schools or my grandparents. Mm. And I was living with my uh, grandmother in Adelaide. And the Mormons knocked on the door. And they were just two lovely American guys, uh, very family-orientated. They uh, spoke well. Mm. And my grandma invited them in, and we got to know these these uh, these young men, and they really had a fantastic uh, family orientation about them that was very attractive. They were mm. very family orientated, and so that was what attractive to me. Obviously, growing up uh, with divorced parents, 
going living with grandmas and grandfathers and fathers and all over the place. Yes, yeah. It was very attractive. Mm. So I read the book uh, that they gave me, but I soon after I then joined the navy when I was seventeen, and so it didn't really right. click for me hundred percent. So I joined the navy when I was seventeen, okay. and I spent the next seven years uh, traveling around the world on a ship, really just. Partying, drinking, smoking, and womanizing, and mm. and uh, just traveling the world. Yeah, and uh, at the time when you would uh, experience that and being part of the navy, did you think this is as good as it gets, or did you always feel there was something else that wasn't quite being satisfied? There was still something that was still gnawing away, right. gnawing away at my heart. I remember sometimes they used to have like a Bible study on the ship, okay. and I would go there sometimes. There was still an interest in God, mm. uh, as I said, being brought up. And uh, going to Catholic schools, and then you know studying with the Mormons, there was a still this this search for for the meaning of life. So this was on the ship that they had these Bible studies. Yes, yes. So there was a chaplain on on board, or was it just yeah. run by some of the uh, other sailors? Yeah, just some of the sailors got together, and it was only a handful of them. On three hundred and thirty people on the ship, there was only probably about six or seven of them wow. that that met. And so some meet. people practiced their faith while they were. Yes, very well, few, yeah. but th- there were for some people. Yeah, some well, I praise yeah. the Lord for that. Mm. And so after the Navy, I got out of the Navy after seven years, and my next journey was I started exploring New Age. Um, I went and lived at Nim- near Nimbin on a, in a rainforest, Okay. and uh, I started getting into astrology and uh, palm reading and just, just the Eastern type of religions mm-hmm. and looking into to that, to that form of religion. But I, uh, it didn't really gel for me as well, uh, to be honest, I just smoked a lot of marijuana out there, right. and uh, and we used to talk about all sorts of things and that. But there was really it's a lot not, of philosophy. Yes, a lot of philosophy, but no real, real answers. Mm, real yeah. answers. So uh, that was the next part. Uh, interesting though that when I um, my father remarried, and his wife, his wife was into Hare Krishna, and so wow, so. That probably had a bit of influence on the New Age. Mm. But interesting, she then became a Jehovah's Witness. So when I used to come home from the Navy and spend time with my father, uh, it was an instant Bible study. Mm. And so uh, I'd come home, and, and she started opening up to me the Bible and about prophecy in the Bible, especially the book of Daniel. And so I found that quite fascinating, that, that, um, that there was all these prophecies in the Bible and so that happened uh, for a while, but something just didn't gel, and I just kept on defaulting back to my life of drinking, mm. partying, just getting on with life, things like that. And it wasn't until I was probably 29. I was 29. I'm in uh, on an office on St. Kilda Road in Melbourne. Yeah. So you've left Nimbin at this stage, obviously. Oh, yes, and moved on. Moved on. Kingscliff and back in Sydney, lived in eastern suburbs of Sydney. And I was in Melbourne, and I had one dollar to my name. I'd spent all my money pretty well on drinking and partying, and I had one dollar. So were you employed at this stage? I had my well? own business, yeah, oh, yeah, a little electronic business. business that I was importing okay. electronic components and um, and distributing them to manufacturers. And so I was in Melbourne, got one dollar to my name. Hmm. I went across the road at Seven Eleven, bought a meat pie with my last one dollar. And that night, I actually got on my knees and I prayed and said, "God, do you really exist?" Hmm. Do you really exist? You know, uh, is there a God? So, had you prayed previously? You've obviously been to you know some Bible studies while you were on the ships with the Navy. 
uh, maybe the, the, the young Mormon gentlemen that came to visit you, maybe they prayed with you. But was that uh, something that you would have uh, been exposed to previously or had participated in yourself? Not really. I'd, I'd never really prayed before. Mm. Seriously. And this night, it was like it had to be I was at the bottom of my life. Right. It was, it was a crisis. And so, yeah, I actually, I actually prayed that night. So, Incredible. And I, the prayer I prayed, I said, do you exist, God, number one? Yeah. Do you exist? And the second question I had was, if you do exist, who do you have a church on the earth that that you're working through, mm-hmm. or churches, or whatever? I just wanted to know, because everybody said we have the truth. Yeah. Yes, that can be very confusing. There's so, so many yeah. voices out there saying yeah, so the same we thing. We have the truth. Yeah. The Mormon says we have the truth. The Jehovah's mm. Witness says we have the truth. Uh, the Catholics Graham saying we have the truth. You know, the New Age thing says we have the truth. I'm saying, mm. so like. Who actually has the truth? So up to this point in time, you've been asking other people, is there a meaning to life? Is there a God? You're sort of searching. But this is the first time that you actually address God directly and said, you tell me if you exist. Exactly. Prove it to me. Exactly. And also, if you exist with all these people claiming to have the truth, is there an organization or is there a church that you would say is your church that I can join? That, that's Am I summarizing that? Yes. I even came – I remember saying, look, I'll even join the heebie-jeebies if, if, <laughs> if, that's who, yeah. if that's who has the truth. You mm. know what I mean? Because it was just – it was like – Whatever God would lead, you would follow pretty much. Yeah, you were open. It was like yeah. walking to a forest and there's thousands of trees, but mm. which one is the true tree? And mm. They're all claiming to say we're the true tree. Yes. Oh, yeah. If that makes sense to you. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, it can be very confusing. I, I, I sometimes wonder about that. Your your journey is not too dissimilar to mine, although I was brought brought up in the church and had Christian parents. Um, but still, at the age of 21, I myself also, for example, started doubting whether there was a God or not and then asked God to prove himself to me. But let's continue with with your your story. So you've said say that prayer, and does anything happen after the prayer? Um, does, how long does it take before there's any answer to that prayer? I just prayed that prayer in tears. I was sincere about it. Mm. Two weeks later, I had to go back to Sydney. And I, it was uh, maybe a Saturday night, Friday or Saturday night. I can't remember what night it was. It was 20, 24 years ago. Yeah. I was walking on Bondi Beach. So you were traveling quite a few cities, Adelaide, Melbourne, Bondi, Nimbin. Yes. You were getting around. <laughs> I certainly was. And so I was back in Sydney, and I went out that night down at Bondi Beach. And I'm walking down the street, and there was these young people out giving out books now, I knew that they were Christians mm. or some type of Christian. They had neat haircuts. They were dressed nicely. Uh, and so as I walked past, they, uh, I said, do you have anything on prophecy? Wow. Something's asked, I asked that question because mm. I had an interest from studying the God's Word a little bit with the Jehovah's Witnesses, and I was interested in prophecy. And this was through your stepmother as well. Yes. She picked an interest in prophecy. Yeah. So I, yeah. I said, do you have something on prophecy? And they gave me this book. And the book was all about the prophecies of the book of Daniel mm. and the book of Revelation. And there was this challenge that God threw out in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 and 10, yeah, yeah. Where, where God says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. So I took the challenge. I said, okay, so you can declare the beginning to the end. So I looked into all the prophecies in the book of Daniel and Revelation and other prophecies. And as I started reading about the prophecies in the book of Daniel, where where God predicted future kingdoms, starting with the kingdom of Babylon and then mm. 
predicted Medo-Persia, then Greece, and then Rome, and then then these uh, ten kingdoms that would would come out of you know Rome, and yes, then this yeah. little kingdom or little horn that would rise up after them and yeah, rule for twelve hundred and sixty yeah, yeah. years. And and I started looking at all these prophecies, and then I started looking at history, and it just all lined up. Then I started looking at all the prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament, mm. where there's hundreds of prophecies about the first coming of Jesus Christ. And there's hundreds about the second coming as well. But when I lined them all up, it was like 100% accuracy. Wow. Everyone, where were you born? Uh, when? In the book of Daniel even says, you know, when Jesus would be crucified, when he would be baptized. This, just amazing prophecies. Mm-hmm. And I was then convinced there was a God. Incredible. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting challenge that, you know, that, that there's a God that knows the end from the beginning. And he actually tells us to test him in that regard. I mean, in Deuteronomy chapter 13, he talks about prophecy sent. And also Deuteronomy 18, if they prophesy something that doesn't come to pass, you know someone I didn't send. Mm. So 100% accuracy has got to be there. Otherwise, it's not from God. Mm. And then I think even in Isaiah 40, uh, 48 there, God even puts a challenge there to the other others who claim God, do good or do evil or prophesy what has been or what will be. And they can't. So this is one of the great things about Christianity that I found, that God has given us the ability to test, to see whether there's a God that knows the end from the beginning. Mm. No false God can make that claim. But God says, test me in this. And it's wonderful that that was actually one of the things that convinced you prophecy. Very important aspect of, of, of the scriptures. And also, so, so you're getting into the word of God, and you're getting into prophecy, and you become convinced without a shadow of a doubt that God exists and that there is a God. I'm now convinced there is a God. Mm. 100% accuracy when it comes to prophecy. Yeah. So, I mean, how could anyone do that? I mean, other people make up things and say, yeah, predict the future, but they might have 10%. Or 20 or 30. 1%, 5%, yeah. but 100%. Mm. And so so the next step was, okay, well, I looked at the back of the book and said, you know, all these prophecies that, that were explained, and it says it was a seven-day Adventist church. Oh. And I said, seven-day Adventist? I thought, really? I... I the only impact at that time, back in the um, early ni- uh, in 1991, the Seventh Day Adventist Church had made on me was uh, Lenny Chamberlain, uh, right? Yeah and, yeah, and the story around what happened to Lenny Chamberlain and Michael Chamberlain and, and the uh, the dingo and, and the baby. That yeah, was that the, was poor publicity at the time, obviously. So th- th- that didn't put you off at all, or well, it was a little bit. It yeah, did yeah. because because the way it was portrayed was that. The media betrayed her as as being guilty. Guilty, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, fr- at that stage, yeah. A few frame shots, and mm. and and so it was like, okay. But I said, I did pray this prayer. God, show me if you exist, and show me if do you have a church mm. that uh, that you're using in the last days. And so, so what I did is I actually, do I know a seven day Adventist? And I thought I actually knew one. Okay, one you seven had day one previously. One seven day Adventist. In actual fact. She wasn't a seven-day Adventist when I knew her because she was um, going out with me. We were dating together. We actually got engaged when we were like 19. Wow. But she went back to the church, and her parents were seven-day Adventists. So I rang her up, and I said, look, tell me more about the seven-day Adventist church. Mm. And so uh, she invited me around to her parents' house. We went around there, I, uh, and they gave me another book called The Great Controversy, an incredible, incredible book. Incredible book, yeah. If you like prophecy yes. and history. Yes, yeah. and I love history. And so The Great Controversy is a book about the uh, the great controversy between good and evil. Mm. And, it, and it traces back his, historical through the early church 
and comes right to the end, you know, in the end days that we're living in. And so I read this book cover to cover, probably in, in a week. Big thick book. Well, that's about eight or nine hundred pages. So yes. either you're a fast reader or you didn't put the book down. That's all I did. I didn't put the book down for a <laughs> week. Yeah. I absorbed it. And I read another beautiful book called The Desire of Ages about the life of Jesus. Mm. An amazing oh, book. Incredible book, yes. About the life of Jesus and the love of Jesus and love of God. And so after I read these two books, I then I got the yellow pages out, looked up under Seven Day Adventist, and I made a phone call and left a message. And a pastor rang, rang me back, and we did Bible studies for six months. And then this I was, is in Sydney now. Is no, back in back in Melbourne. Oh, you back? Okay, back I was in back in Melbourne. Right. I was only visiting Sydney. Oh, right. Okay. So I was back in Melbourne, and then six months later, I was baptized. Well, and how is your business tracking at this stage? You're still in electronics. Yes, in electronics. But then some amazing things happened. So I got a transfer back to Sydney, uh, a better oh. job, a better uh, better environment, mm. and I got transferred back to Sydney, and I basically joined a Join the church, right? So okay, so you you start attending a church in Melbourne and then transferred. To yeah, Sydney six months and... later, I was after I was baptized, I got a transfer back to Sydney. Wow. Okay. So then, what happens in Sydney? So you, you've you've now met the Lord. You've convinced that there's a Lord, a God. You believe you're in the right church. Yes. And what happens next? I'm fascinated to know where the journey takes you. Yes. Well, the, the, I just want to just wind it back. Yeah, why sure. yeah, why I joined the church? You know, mm. when I started looking in the Bible in the Book of Revelations, I was looking for clues. Mm. You know, I mean, surely God would give you some clues. You know, which church He's working through, or is He working through all of them? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, one of them was in Revelations twelve verse seventeen. So, so let's just let me just interrupt there for a second. So, you read this book, the book convinced you regarding the accuracy of the prophecies. Yes. You found out that this book was published by Seventh-day Adventist. Yes. Was that a clue already for you? It was it a clue. might be, but you still wanted to make sure that you had more information and more evidence before you head down this track conclusively. Correct. And right. That's what okay. I spent okay. the next good, good. six months doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and one of them was in Revelations twelve seventeen, where it talks about after these 1260 years mm. of uh, persecution by, by a... Uh, by this beast power, yes, in Dan- which Daniel talks about and uh, John talks about in the Book of Revelations, mm-hmm. and he uses some code words like dragon, which obviously means he says means Satan, mm. was enraged with the woman, which means a church, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring or remnant, which remaining church, yeah, yeah. and he gives two clues. He says okay. one, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Mm. So the first clue was okay. So this church will keep the commandments of God. Right, okay. Okay, so a lot of churches out there are saying, oh, the commandments have been done away with. Well, that's uh, that sort of takes them out of the equation then if they're making this statement. A if... lot of churches say that. So, mm, okay, mm. then it says the commandments of God. And it says, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I think, what's the testimony of Jesus Christ? That's a good question. Yeah. So I went to the, uh, the book of Revelation and I just keep reading on. Revelation yeah. chapter 19, verse 9 10 says, you know, John's trying to bow down to this angel and he says, don't do that. He says, see that you do not do that. I'm a fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. I'm like, there it is. Mm-hmm. It says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So there's wow. my second clue. Yes. So yes. here's a church will keep the Ten Commandments. They'll have the spirit of prophecy amongst mm. them. I then kept reading and says, in the book of Revelation chapter 14, verse 12, it says this church or this remnant church will give the three angels message to the world. The everlasting gospel, right? Yes, okay. and you know I haven't got time to unpack that now, but yeah, yeah. but but just they will be preaching and sharing the three angels' message to the world. 
And even at the end of Revelation chapter 14, verse 12, it says, here they are, the, they have the patience of the saints, and they keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Mm. So church will keep the commandments of God, preaching the three angels' message to the world, have the spirit of prophecy amongst them, mm. and have the faith of Jesus. Well, I could only find one church that ticked all those all boxes. Those criteria, yeah. And that was the seven-day Adventist church. Wow. Oh, well, praise the Lord. So you, 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 your journey has taken you to being baptized, becoming a member of the Seventh-day Adventist church. So did you feel you had arrived? Was, was the journey over or was that the beginning well, I, of the journey? <laughs> I, I must admit, I, I thought it was, I've arrived. Right, okay. And what happened to me was, there's obviously a lot more to, to, to happen, but what happened yeah. is I then joined the church. Mm. And I joined a church who I believe from Scripture was God's last day remnant church mm, mm. who have, keep the commandments of God, faith of yeah. Jesus, have the, giving the three angels message, and have the spirit of prophecy. Then I joined a church that was lukewarm. Mm. And what happened to me is, you know, I just sat in the pews each week. Sometimes I paid my tithe. Sometimes I studied God's word. Sometimes I prayed. And for the next 12 years, I sat on the benches, as I say, or sat in the pews. And every, I saw, not everybody, there were some people on fire, but a majority of people were lukewarm. Mm, mm. And So when, the, when you joined the church, did you, were you more on fire than the, the average person sitting in the pew? Well, I was on that? fire because I thought, yes, this is it. This is the, yeah, yeah. you know, this is, I finally found the remnant church, God's last day church is going to take a message to the world, mm. keep the commandments of God, etc. But then when I joined the church, there was, the, the people were not spirit-filled. It's, it was like they were lukewarm. Mm. It was like they've arrived as well. They've like found this, but right. what do you do next? Good question. What's yeah. next? Yeah. And so most people, we just turn up every, every week, listen to a sermon, three songs, mm. pay your tithe. Uh, and that was, the, that was it. Wow. So it's almost like the church has gone into a holding pattern. Yes. And guess yeah. what happened to me? I went into a holding, holding pattern right, and right. I became lukewarm mm. myself. And I never saw victory, hardly any victory over sin in my life. Uh, and this is what, what happened. And it took another crisis. Wow. God had to allow another crisis to come in my life to get my attention. And another crisis came in my life. And I actually left the church for 12 months because of oh, a crisis. Wow. I left the church back in 2004. Okay, so about 13 years ago, yeah, roughly. And, and remember, yeah. I didn't lead one person to Jesus in 12 years. Mm. So what I what I realize is I had the truth, but Jesus says we worship in spirit and truth. So I had the truth and words God, the word of God, but I didn't have the spirit. And yeah. so I left the church, but you know when you know something's true, you can sort of run away. I, I was like Jonah. In the book, right, yes, you know, the book yes. of Jonah, you know, like he had a mission mm -hmm. and but he didn't want to do the mission. And so he ran away and went the opposite way. But God gave him a second chance. It took a crisis mm, in his life. Yes, a yeah. storm came in his life. He's thrown overboard. He's just about to take it. He took his last breath. He's going to the bottom of the ocean. He cries out to God again. And God saves him, you know, through the fish. And the fish threw him up on dry, dry land, yeah. On, on the shores shore. of Nineveh, yeah. which yeah. is where he was supposed to be. <laughs> and so I said, God, okay. And so I came back to the church and I said, mm. I'm going 100% committed all the way. Mm. I'm not, I'm not, I don't care if everyone else is lukewarm. I'm going to get on with the mission sure. that you've given 
uh, the Seven Day Adventist Church, which which is to share the Three Angels message. So, how many years it now expired from the time you joined the church to this point in time? Probably about 12, 13 years 12, now. 12, 13 years. Yeah, wow. 13 years. And I came back, and interestingly, I went to a revival weekend, a revival okay. weekend uh, by uh, a pastor called Dennis Smith. And this is here in Australia? This is in Australia. Mm. There's a little church somewhere in Sydney. Someone said, hey, come along to this revival weekend uh, from this Adventist pastor who's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, when you talk about the Holy Spirit uh, in the Seventh-day Adventist church, it isn't really spoken about very much. Mm. It is a lot more today. Yes, But sure. in the past, it wasn't really spoken about. There was wow. this danger of the um, the uh, counterfeit, you know, false Holy Going Spirit. Going to extremes potentially. Or, yes. Yeah, uh, okay. a, uh, uh, so overly cautious almost. Overly cautious. Yeah. And so I, I was a little bit cautious myself. I said, sure, I can't, sure. this, but I'll check it out. Mm, mm. And so I went to the revival weekend and I was challenged. He challenged me about what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, and I thought, baptism of the Holy Spirit, that sounds pretty pretty freaky. Maybe there's a bit out there. And he challenged me, show from God's word. Well, it's biblical, isn't it? Yes, he yeah. showed me from God's word. And he even, but this verse in John chapter 14 really grabbed me. Mm. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says, Verily, very I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he also do. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto the Father. Mm. So as I read that, I said, really, we're going to do greater works than Jesus? Yeah, that's an incredible statement, isn't I it? I think, well, how? And yeah. then he goes on. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he says, and I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Or comforter, or it uses other words as well. Yeah, Advocate. Yeah. And he's talking even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not. Neither knoweth him, nor shall nor you know him. For he dwell with you and shall be in, in you. In you, yes. And he's talking about Pentecost here. Mm. The Holy Spirit was with the disciples. They already n- knew the Holy Spirit, but, he but says there was something else to happen. Yes, yes he yes. says, not only will he be with you, he'll be within you. Mm. And he says, um, and he says, I won't leave you comfortless. And then he goes on to say, not only will I come to you, Jesus says, but he says, I and the Father will come to you. That is an incredible statement. And he says, but when the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever mm. I said to you. So so here it is, this promise of the Holy Spirit. And as I started reading the Bible about in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus says, you know, the disciples had just been given a mission. Mm. Take the mm. gospel to the world. Yeah. But then Jesus says, wait. That's interesting. Gives them a mission and then tells them to just wait. He says, wait yeah. from the power because you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit or with fire. And we know from the day of Pentecost what happened. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, you look before that, for example, on the day of resurrection, even on, on Sunday night, in John it says they were huddled together for fear of the Jews, the disciples. Then you go fast forward a few weeks later in Acts chapter 4, and it says here's Peter and John preaching boldly in the temple. Without well, fear, that's boldly. an amazing transformation, isn't it? One from extreme weakness and fear, hiding, to one now being bold and right in the presence of the people who are enemies of Christ proclaiming the gospel. Well, what happened? That's well, a good question. What happened? Pentecost happened. Mm. And, and, and as I looked at the true baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is Christ in you in the hope of glory, and the Holy Spirit fills you uh, so that you have the fruits of the Spirit. And as I started looking what the fruit of the Spirit is in mm. Galatians 5.22, 
And Ephesians chapter 5, 9, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And when you read the Bible, it says love casts out fear. Right, so when okay. we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit pours out God's love on our hearts. And it says love casts out fear. Yeah, right. So that's why they had no fear. I think it's this perfect love casts out fear. Exactly. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. So I, th- I said, this is the missing piece. This is what I need. Mm. And so I was challenged and I started praying daily for the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit of Christ in me, the hope of glory, so that I could reflect his character and for power to witness. They're the two purposes. Mm. So was this quite a new revelation to you? When yes. You yeah. Yes. Hadn't really been discussed in the previous 12 years. No, hadn't heard much about it. Hadn't heard anything about it. Just touching it lightly, but hadn't yeah. heard anything about it. So here 2,000 years ago, Jesus promised that he will have a successor on earth. Yes. Who will represent him. Yes. And we don't hear much about it. We didn't hear very much about it. Wow. But it's changing, as you're saying. It's, it's, it's changing. I mean, you only have to look at this, this quarter's... Uh, you know, subject that we're studying together all over the world is is the Holy Spirit and spirituality. Mm, mm. So we are studying about the Holy Spirit. And so I said, studies. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So I started praying daily, Lord, baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I I started surrendering everything to God. I said, I surrender everything to you. I started repenting and praying for the daily baptism, of the Holy Spirit. And as I started praying, everything changed. Everything changed. I wanted to study God's word more. Before it was very every now and then. Mm, now I had a mm. desire to study God's word. I had a desire to pray that I never had before. Wow. I so, even had, sorry, I even had a desire to witness that I'd never had before. Incredible. So your motivations and your appetites, things started changing just by praying that prayer every day. That's exactly, exactly. I started... Wanting to preach, and I'd never had a desire to preach before, ever. Is that wow? Ever, and I started seeing victory over sin in my life. Mm. Jesus started having victory over sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. It was just amazing. So you know, twelve years of just hardly anything, and then all of a sudden, rapid things started happening. So, so just going through your journey, you were convinced that there was a God. Yes, through prophecy, and then as you were looking through the books. In the prophecies, you identified some marks for God's remnant church. Yes. You were convinced of that. And then 12 years later, you now have a personal experience. Your appetites, your desires, your motivations change. But not only that, you experience victory over things that previously you couldn't have victory over, which now gives you another, I guess, another witness to the power of God. And this is just by discovering that Christ had promised his representative to be here on earth that will represent the Father and the Son and that he would come and make his home with us. So you experiencing everything that the Bible has promised for you, you now actually walking a very different life to what you've walked in the past, even the previous 12 years as a Christian. Exactly, exactly. I'm this promise of the Holy Spirit, but not only the Holy Spirit, it says the Father and Jesus live in us through the Holy Spirit because mm. he says not only the Father uh, but the Son will come and dwell in us through the Holy Spirit and so then I realized that's why we'll be able to do the same thing to Jesus because it is Jesus, Jesus living is. in living his life in and through us working through us yes and then we have Jesus living in us we have the fruits of the Spirit mm. love, joy, peace, patience uh, temperance 
And even in Ephesians chapter 5, 9, it says the fruit of the Spirit is righteousness and goodness. So we, wow. have, we receive Jesus' imparted righteousness, mm-hmm. okay, because only Jesus is righteous. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. But we receive his righteousness through the Holy Spirit. And so that's why that when Jesus says, you know, you'll do the same works as me and even greater works, the only way that can happen is because it's Jesus doing those works in and through us. It's Jesus through the Holy Spirit that writes his laws on our mind and our hearts. Yeah, that's the covenant promise, isn't it? In yeah. Hebrews chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 10. Mm. Uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8 to 12, and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15 and 16. The Holy Spirit wants to write God's law in our mind and hearts. And when Jesus lives in us, Jesus will seek to keep his Father's commandments. He'll, he'll put the desire in our hearts to do the same. Yeah, wow. So that must have put some incredible joy back in your your walk with the Lord as a Christian. I mean, if the fruit of the Spirit, the first one that's mentioned there is, is love, isn't it? Did you find that your your motivation, your relationships, not only in relation to God, but in relation to your fellow man, did that change? Did you did you find that you had more time for people, that you were more patient with them? Look, everything changed. Everything changed. Now it's a working progress. Of course. You know, sanctification is a work of a lifetime. Mm. But what it is is this when God puts his love in your heart, and that only happens through the Holy Spirit, or him dwelling in you through the Holy Spirit. Everything changes. It's just an ama- it's just an amazing thing. I mean, there's two works of the Holy Spirit, as, as I read in God's Word. The mm-hmm. first one in John 16 is to convict us of sin and lead us to Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. Yes. Pardon. And the second work of the Holy Spirit found in John 14, as we just read, and also in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, is as we behold Jesus and spend time with Jesus, he transforms us into the image of Jesus. Mm. It's this work of restoration. So not only has Jesus paid the penalty for us, but he wants to transform us back into his image in the way we're created. We're created mm-hmm. in the image of God. And so God wants to restore us back into the image of God. The first problem he has is he's got a sin problem. Yes, yes. And so Jesus needed to pay the penalty for our sins. Mm. And then when he's paid the penalty, we can have forgiveness. And as we read in John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, if we confess our sins, it's pardon. Faith. Yeah, yeah. He is faithful to forgive our sins, pardon, yeah. and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, us, sanctification. Yeah. This, this journey of transforming us back into the image of God. Mm. Uh, that is the purpose of the gospel. But the missing part was the Holy Spirit. That's what he uses is the Holy Spirit is the transformation that happens as we behold Jesus and spend time with Jesus. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. So you, 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 you got to know your Savior in a way you hadn't known him before through the Holy Spirit and found him to be not only a Savior from the penalty of sin, but you were also now experiencing victory, which is a Savior from the power of sin. He was cleansing. He's yeah. like he's removing, he's chiseling away and cleansing us, cleansing mm-hmm. us from all unrighteousness, which is sin. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. So I, I, I've sometimes wondered, is there a sin that we can give to the Lord that he can't give us victory over. And I've heard too many testimonies, I have to say, that people tell where they used to be a slave to something and God had given them victory. Now, if he can do that over one sin, he can do it over two. And if he can do it over two, he can do it over more. And I think, as you're saying, it's a journey. God will systematically work with us. I don't think he shows all of our sins all at once to us. I don't think we'll be able to bear it. We wouldn't be able to handle it. Uh, And that's why, you know, God says in Psalms 139, search my heart, O God. Yeah, that's a great psalm. Uh, it's it's a deadly prayer, 
but it's a prayer we must we must pray mm, for. Mm. Search my heart, O oh God, to see if there's anything wicked in me. Yeah, know my thoughts. Know yeah. my thoughts. Yeah. You know, I've been praying that prayer recently, and you know, God's bringing to my attention stuff that He wants to cleanse me from. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do have blind spots, you know, all of us, you know, yeah. while we claim to walk with the Lord and we've given our hearts to Him, then we have the Holy Spirit. There's still unknown hidden things within our lives that we're not aware of until circumstances bring them out. Or sometimes it can be just a faithful friend or experiences that the Lord takes us through and all of a sudden. You know, I had a funny experience just recently. I was actually at Bunnings just buying something. And I was interacting with this lady and I had a problem with some, some lawn I'd purchased and the lawn had, uh, wasn't satisfactory. And in my discussion with her, I actually something was brought out of my character that I thought I'd put aside. Mm. I had to go and talk to the Lord about it afterwards and just say, Lord, I, uh, I, I now realize that things that I in the past have perhaps identified in other people and saying, oh, they're not good people. Here I see the same thing displayed in my own character. Mm. I was actually very disappointed in myself, but, you know, I, I couldn't do anything about it. I just have to acknowledge that before the Lord and claim his promise that if I confess he would be faithful and just to forgive. And I had to believe it regardless of how I felt. Mm. And not only that, he would cleanse me. He would take the power of that issue out of my life so that I don't have to repeat that same sin and confess it, same sin and confess it. And I was so grateful to the Lord, you know. I'm more aware of that than I was ever in the past because in the past I hadn't thought much about it. And I'm so grateful that God through his Holy Spirit can convict us like you were saying just before. And the promise to deliver us. Yeah, the delivery is just as important. I think yeah. you'd be miserable if there was no deliverance. That's right. And I think that, that was my experience. Mm. I think that's the experience of many Christians mm. is there's the promise, but how does it work? How does it work? Well, how did you come to Jesus? Through what? Yeah, it's through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Unless, By faith. Unless the Father who sent Jesus draws us, we can't come to him. That's right. And it's only through the Holy Spirit that we are drawn. That's right. And God and uses a variety of means to do that. It could be other people. It could be experiences. It could be hitting rock bottom. Desperation, a and crisis, you be- and you believe it by what? You believe it by faith. By faith, absolutely. You believe in the promise of God that if we confess mm. our sins, He'll forgive our sins. That's right. So yeah. we believe the pardon. Mm. So we believe that by faith. Well, there's power in His Word, isn't there? Yes. We see His Word. I mean, the first chapter of the Bible introduces the power of the Word. You know, God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. God spoke things into existence. So that same power is still in the Word of God. If we accept it by faith, we can experience that power. And the same. Same power by faith is experienced in victory over sin. Mm. You go to the Lord, you confess our sins, and you put it to the Lord and say, Have the victory. Now, He promised He will. Mm. But do we believe it? Do we believe it? That is another element of exercising faith in God's promises. That's what faith is. We believe what God said. Well, God has despite made, the evidence, well, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean. Despite the evidence in our, in our lives, we yeah, believe yeah. that He will do what He said He will do. Mm. Uh, that was the problem with Israel, wasn't it? When you know, entering into the promised land, they didn't believe. No, they couldn't enter God's rest because of unbelief. It says there in Hebrews chapter three and four. So it's like God has give, made us free moral agents; has given us the ability to choose. I mean, Adam and Eve had the ability to choose as well. They believed the lie. Well, it was a half truth, really, wasn't it? So they believed the lie. So for us now to get restoration, when the word of God comes to us and it comes with conviction through the Holy Spirit, we have the choice. Will we believe the lie that we've been sold all our life or will we believe the truth? And those who believe under the conviction of the Holy Spirit believe they will experience the power of the word. God doesn't force it on us, but he does convict us. And as you said, the Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. I think that's uh, um, John chapter 15. 
Yes, so, John, yeah. John 16, yes. And so so we just got to believe by faith that God can do what he says he can do, even though it seems impossible. You know, it seems yes. impossible from a man's point of view, hmm. but I believe he can do it. And, and God's word makes it. I mean, the next question is some people might be asking, well, how do I receive the baptism of the That's Holy a very Spirit? good question, yes. And, you know, in the Bible, we, we look at in Acts chapter 1, you read the book of Acts, and uh, you know, Bible speaks are special about laying of hands, but it's not necessary. It's just simply claiming a promise mm-hmm. that God says He will do, and we pray. And so we are claiming a promise by Jesus, and we receive it by faith. For example, in Galatians chapter three, verse fourteen, it says, "He, Jesus, redeemed us in order." So He's redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That by faith mm. we might receive the promise of the Spirit. We receive the same way, the Holy Spirit through faith. And you look at the preparation. Is there preparation to be made? Well, you only have to go through the Bible and look at Revelation chapter 3. Jesus says, repent. Yes. In Acts chapter 2, Peter said, when Peter's preaching his first sermon to the Jews on the day of Pentecost, and he basically, when you look at the sermon he preaches, he says this, he says, you crucified the Messiah. That was the context of the sermon. Mm. A- and they realized, well, who actually crucified Jesus? Well, it was the Romans that crucified Jesus. It wasn't yeah. actually those Jews that literally crucified Jesus. But they realized that Jesus was the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They realized that really they had crucified Jesus. Yeah, they were the ones that handed him over to well, But when you think about it, the Romans, we all they? did. Because yeah. Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. So we really all put Jesus on that cross. Mm. And when we realize that we have put Jesus on that cross to pay the penalty for, for yours and my sins and, and the whole world's, it says they were cut to the heart. Wow. And so, so when you realize that, that Jesus, the Son of God, paid the penalty on the cross and went to the cross for all of us, that we actually put Jesus on the cross mm. because he went and died penalty for my sins. So he... I put him on the cross. And yes, so yeah. that cuts you to the heart. And then we cry out just as they did. They said, well, what do we do? And Peter says, repent, be baptized, and you too shall receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So the key, the key here is to repent. Repent of every known sin that you know, and then pray, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Yes. You look at in, um, in the, in the um, early disciples, they prepared for Pentecost with 10 days of prayer. Well, what were they yes. doing in there? Yeah. So Jesus had promised, but they didn't just sit by idly. They spent time in prayer. Mm. And also think they said that they were in one accord. Yes. Well, so obviously the, the relationships amongst themselves, because before that they were quarreling who would be the greatest. That was only you know weeks before that, that that had happened. Now they're of one accord praying for the fulfillment of the promise. And then it happens at Pentecost. Exactly. So there's some preparation work. Yes, for 10 days of prayer. Yeah, so I mean, and I've got this beautiful quote here uh, from the Testimonies and Ministers and Gospel Workers on page 507 says, The heart must be emptied of every defilement and cleansed for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's the part of repentance. And Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus um, forgives our sins and cleanses us for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It was by confession and forsaking of sin by earnest prayer and consecration of themselves to God that the early disciples prepared for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Mm. They prepared for it. So the four ingredients were confession, forsaking of sin, earnest prayer, and consecration of God. Yeah, yeah. And 
And so that's actually just full cooperation with the Holy Spirit because, I mean, the Holy Spirit was with them, as we read there in John chapter 14. They already knew the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it was with them. Now yeah. they were waiting for the, and he shall be in you part of it, which was Pentecost. Yes. So all that work must have taken place under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, because without that conviction, we don't see ourselves as sinners. So why would we need a Savior? So it is that, that conviction by the Spirit of God that actually cuts us to the heart when we see Christ lifted up for our sins. And then by coming to that point, realizing that we can't do it ourselves anymore. Yes. We've got to make that surrender. Jesus gave himself for us, and now the transaction requires us for the next step to give ourselves to him. Now, I remember also there that even repentance is a gift from God. You know, it's a gift that comes through the Holy Spirit. I think in Acts chapter 5 there in verse 31, it says that Christ was exalted by God to his right hand to be a prince and a savior and to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So through the Holy Spirit, we are still given that gift. We can't manufacture that ourselves. It will only come through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So really without prayer in the Holy Spirit, what can we do for ourselves to, to, to save our lives to inherit eternal life. What, what, what can we do? Nothing. <laughs> That's the whole point. Yeah. The but point there are is, some people that try, don't they? They try and do it themselves. Maybe half God, half themselves. You probably find that in probably most religions in the world. There is something mm. that we must do. Yeah. Look at every religion. There is some sort of ritual or performance mm. or something that we need to do to appease God. Yes. And you look at any any religion that's doing that. That means that there is something we can do. If there's something that we can do. Why do we need a savior? Well, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. What you know? But you look at most religions, and I don't want to pinpoint them out. But you have a look at what they have to do. There are certain rituals that each mm. religion, and even in some Christian religions, there are certain rituals or certain things we must do to appease God, mm. or some sort of penance or something that we need to do, which means it's by our works. And so that's just not the gospel. It it's not, not the gospel. The gospel no. You know, another question people have asked me is, says, well, you know, what happens when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And it's a mm. daily. You look in Ephesians chapter, uh, Ephesians, Paul says, you know, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And mm. he's using the Greek verb there of it's a continuous action verb he's using. He says, in other words, he's saying, keep on being filled, keep on being filled, keep on being filled. And so what happens is, when you start praying and repenting and praying for this, you may or may not feel anything. Mm. But the Spirit will make His presence known in our lives. For example, for me, you know, the things that I used to watch, the movies and the TV I used to watch, I didn't want to watch anymore. The music I used to listen to, I didn't want to listen to anymore. Mm. You know, uh, I had a desire to pray more, to study God's Word more, to witness, to preach. And I saw victory, in, 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 started seeing victory in my life. Yeah. And it's still happening. I've been doing this for seven years, you know. Yeah, seven or eight years. I've been praying daily, confessing and praying daily for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For example, I know a nine-year-old girl in Papua New Guinea filled the Holy Spirit, armed with the, uh, a world-changer Bible given to her by the, uh, by the division youth director, has now started a small group in a village and planted a church. A nine-year-old has done that? A nine-year-old girl filled wow. with the Holy Spirit, went and did Bible studies with his village, and they're planted a church there now. Incredible. So, you know, this is for everybody. It isn't mm -hmm. for children. I hear a lot of people saying, I'm too old to do anything. Well, I thought, well, hang on. How old was Moses when he started his ministry? He was 80 years old 80. when he started. <laughs> That's true. So, so, you know, God can use everybody mm. filled with the Spirit. If we're surrendered and filled with the Spirit, he'll use us in a, in a mighty way. Mm. And what you'll yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's interesting listening to you, Colin, because I, as I'm listening to you, I just recognize even in my own life, you know, a, a greater sense of that need of the Spirit of God. And then, you know, that text comes to mind, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And uh, I'm just thinking that, you know, if the, if, if the church is lukewarm, the first thing they really need to do is recognize the lukewarm state. Yes. And then bring it to the Lord. And then through continual prayer, just pray that prayer. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me your power. Because he did say to his disciples there in Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then subsequent to that, you'll be witness for me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So really, is that something that was just peculiar to that time 2,000 years ago? Well, the, the, the God's Word speaks about early rain and latter rain. Right, okay. Okay, and, and, and it refers to... So maybe to, you can unpack that a little bit for us just for yeah, a few moments we in, have left. Um, in uh, the book of Joel, he talks about that. Yeah, now, the book of Joel, very prominent even at Pentecost. I think Peter, a big portion of his um, sermon there in, in chapter 2 came out of the book of Joel, didn't it? That's correct. Mm. That's correct. And so, you know, in the book of Joel, it says, Be glad that you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down on you the former rain and the latter rain. And so here is, you know, Peter quoting Joel, and it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's been available since Pentecost is called the early rain. And that's right, been okay. available to Christians mm-hmm. ever since Pentecost. But God talks about So that's this, actually to make the, the seed germinate? Yes. And make the harvest grow and get the plants reached to a, to a point where they're almost mature. That's that's right. Yeah. So so you think of it, you know, in ancient Israel, when they went through the harvest, they had, first of all, you, what you have to do is you have to prepare the soil. Mm-hmm. Well, in the Bible, the, preparing the soil is preparing our hearts. Right. And, and the seed is the gospel. So so you know, preparing the hearts for the gospel seed to germinate. Well, then the early rain would come. Mm. And the early rain would cause the seed to germinate. Well, what's that? Be born again. Yes, yes. But also the rain would cause the seed to grow as well. Does it take time for a plant to grow before it bears fruit? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, so the idea of the early rain, Holy Spirit, which has been available since Pentecost, is to grow us into the image of God. Mm. And that's a process. So the early rain helps us to grow. But at the end of the, uh, of the ages, the end, towards near the end of, of the world, in the last days, it says the latter rain is going to be poured out. So in ancient Israel, the latter rain would bring the fruit or the plant to maturity. Okay, make it ready for harvest. Ready for the harvest. Now, the harvest in the Bible yeah. represents the second coming of Jesus. So the latter oh, rain of the Holy Spirit okay. prepares us because mm, we're, the, mm. we're those plants. Oh, great symbolism, isn't it? To, yeah. to prepare us for the final events of earth's history and for Christ's second coming. Mm. But we need to grow in the early rain because imagine if the, if the plant doesn't grow immature, the, the, the latter rain comes and it's just not going to work. That's right. If, it hasn't, if the plant has just started germinating, it can't produce fruit. And then the latter rain is not going to really do anything for it, is so, it? So, so now the time is to grow in the early rain of the Holy Spirit and the likeness of Jesus. Because 1 John 3, 2 says, mm-hmm. basically, those who already met Jesus will be just like Jesus. They'll see him as he is. It's, yeah, that is true. Yeah, wow. And so, so we're growing this early rain of the likeness of Jesus in preparation to receive the latter rain of the Holy Spirit, mm. which prepares us for the harvest. That's wonderful. Now, you, you quoted a few times there out of the books of Revelation, there, chapter 12, chapter um, 14, chapter 19. But there in chapter 14, where it talks about the everlasting gospel, you mentioned the three angels here. There's three angels there. Mm. 
And from verse 14, it actually talks about the harvest, isn't it? There's a harvest there which says that um, you know, the harvest is ripe. And then he's uh, told to put in, his angel's told to put in his sickle and, and reap for the, uh, for the harvest is ready. So this harvest doesn't happen until the latter rain is poured out then. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Latter rain, okay. it will be poured out and prepares God's people for, for the harvest. But the harvest is also is the angels coming. We're the harvest. We're, we are the, we're the, we're the wheat. We are the fruit. And yeah. he sends his angels. And so, so he's mm. preparing us through the early rain. So that's the process of becoming more like Jesus. And as we grow into that, grow into that, he pulls out the latter rain. And that's what the sealing is. It seals us. It's like sealing the deal. It seals us and prepares right. yeah, us yeah. for, as we know, the final events of earth history. And so, you know, when we look at the Bible, for example, the term baptism of the Holy Spirit is used seven times in the New Testament. Only seven times. Um, okay. In the spirit of prophecy, Ellen mm. White uses it over 129 times. She says what she we need right. is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so it's not a Pentecostal slogan. And the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, not necessarily the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As you read God's Word, you can see that Satan can counterfeit the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Can he counterfeit prophecy? Yes. Yes, yeah, can absolutely. He, can he counterfeit uh, tongues? Yes. Yeah, yes, he can. Can he counterfeit miracles? Absolutely. We yeah. told you before miracles in the last days, even bring a fire down yeah. from heaven. So you go through all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He mm. can counterfeit the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So our emphasis when we're praying for the true baptism of the Holy Spirit is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're praying for the fruits of the Spirit. Mm. And God does give gifts to each one of us to build up the church. But our focus is more on the fruit of the Spirit to have the love of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the patience of Jesus, the goodness and righteousness of Jesus, which is manifest or given us as a gift for the fruits of the Spirit. Mm, praise God for a gift, because if you had to try and make that up by your own works, that would be quite a difficult task, wouldn't it? I mean, impossible task, probably, I'd say. Absolutely. So that's what we're focusing on. It's really, mm. and it's interesting. I'm just going to leave you this last thing I really want to sure. leave you. In Revelations chapter 10, Revelation ah, chapter yes, 10. beautiful. There's a beautiful verse in there where it says, uh, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished, as he has declared to his servants, the prophets. Mm. Now, the now se- what is this mystery? Are you going to unpack that for us? Yes. Well, when okay. you look at the seventh trumpet, if yeah. you go look in the Revelations, all the other trumpets are like the last sort of, you know, plagues. Mm, mm. But just before the seventh trumpet is blown, which is actually the second coming of Jesus, yes. it says the mystery of God will be finished. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. The mystery of God will be finished. Mm. And so you go and say, well, what is the mystery of God? Well, what does Paul say? Yeah, well, he says a few things about it. I'm th- thinking of First uh, uh, Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Great is the mystery of God in us. God was manifest in the flesh. Interesting, the word flesh there actually suggests that it's our, in our human nature that he was manifested. Yes, and so Christ, so Christ is manifest in the flesh. Mm. But also, Paul goes on and says the mystery of, of God, so Christ was manifest in the flesh. Yes. The mystery of God, He's being to the Paul, first fruits, yeah. Yeah, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope of glory, that's right. So God would be manifest, or Christ would be manifest in our flesh as well. And when that takes place, the mystery of God, of God will be finished. Will be finished. And then he'll come to claim wow. his people as his own. That's the great controversy mm. is completed. So that ties in beautifully with that harvest yes. principle we just looked at before. Yes. So that's, mm. that's, that's what, what God is waiting for. He's waiting for the manifestation of his son, Jesus, in his people. Mm. And when he sees the manifestation of Jesus in his people, then he'll come to claim them as his own. That's incredible, isn't it? Mm. Wow. So what does that mean to 
represent Christ or have Christ within us, our hope of glory. Well, I just interesting that that Moses asked God a question. He says, "Show me your glory." Yes, and and God says, "Okay, I'll show you my glory." Sort of hides him in the in the cliff, mm. and then he says, proclaims his name and his character. I'm good. I'm merciful, etc. And then gives him his law. So God's mm. glory is his law, his character. Wow. And then you read in Revelation 14, it says the last God's last day people will have the Father's name on their forehead. That means they have the Father's character. Right. It's, it's written in their mind and their hearts. So that's the promise of the character the, of God's law written on their yeah. mind and their hearts of Hebrews chapter 8 and 10. Yes, yes, so, the covenant. So that, and, and, and Jesus represents all that. So God's mm. people will have Jesus Christ living in them in the last days. They'll have God's law written on their mind and hearts. And they have God's glory and his name written on their mind and heart. In Revelation 18, it says... The last message to go to the world is it says God's glory lights up the earth. God's glory is going to light up the earth with God's people who have have his character. Oh, praise the Lord. Colin, I just want to thank you so much for coming in and sharing your testimony with us and then also the scriptures and uh, your journey. I hope that uh, listeners, as you've been out there listening to this, that uh, you've been blessed by it, that your heart's been touched. And for those who have not taken that journey yet, this could be a call from God just to say, listen, pray that prayer. God, if you, if you are out there, reveal yourself to me. Or if you're looking for a church, maybe you can go to the scriptures and through prayer you can study and ask God just to reveal it through you. Allow yourself to the opportunity to test God in the scriptures as Colin has done in, 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 his, uh, in his journey. And I just want to thank you for listening to us today. It's been a pleasure having you on board. We have a special offer for you today. We have a book called Steps to Personal Revival, Being Filled by the Holy Spirit. And 3ABN Australia Radio is offering this to you today for a cost of $1 plus postage. So as you're listening there today anywhere in Australia and New Zealand, we make this offer available to you. You're welcome to dial us and call us on 02 in Australia. And the number is 024973-3456. So that number again, 02-4973-3456. You can email us at radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. So that's radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. I just want to thank my guest again, Colin Hone, for spending time with us to tell us about his journey. Thank you for listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. We look forward to catching up with you again next time. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.